Well, hello and welcome to H2O Church again. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so excited that you're with us for our fall kickoff. We live for this time of year here in our church. As Brian pointed out, we're a church for both the city downtown, and we love the campus. We love college students, and we love having a ton of you involved in our church. And so we're so thankful that you decided to check us out here in this virtual format as the school year gets started. You know, um, we live for this time of year and we love just gathering together as a community. We know that that's gonna look very different because of everything that's happening in our world. You know, I think about you freshmen that came to campus and you know, the, the impact that COVID-19 has had. You know, this is not the experience that you probably imagined for years and years and years. And so I just want you to know that we've been thinking about you guys and praying for you in the weeks and months leading up to your arrival here on campus, or if you decided to stay at home and do classes virtually, we just acknowledge with you that this is not how you would have scripted things to go, but we totally believe 100% that God is here, that he's active and he's moving, and that he's gonna do things in your life this year. Um, like I said, uh, we live for this time of year and we love college students. We also know this is such a unique season of life for you, and, and there's this question that I wonder if it's rolling through your mind. It's a question that I, I feel like it comes up in my life often. And, and actually it makes me think about a moment uh, not that long ago in my life where this question was just so front and center in my heart and mind. It was actually around the time that my wife Tiffany and I had uh, our first child. And so we had a little boy named Mason a few years back. And I remember being at the hospital and it was, a, it was a blast, right? New parents and just so much excitement. And then it started getting closer and closer to the time when we knew that we were gonna have to go back home. And life in the hospital when you've had a new, a new baby is really nice because you can literally just press a button and somebody comes and helps you and tells you what to do or does it for you. They bring you drinks and food and it's kind of amazing actually. And I remember that moment when the doctor walked into the room and said, you can go home now, you're free to go. And I remember thinking, oh no, 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 we have to stay longer, is it possible? Like we should probably be here like another few days or maybe another couple of weeks before we get this parenting thing down. But um, if you didn't know, you, you're not actually allowed to live at a hospital. So they sent us home and I remember the drive home was actually really quiet. Uh, my, again, my wife Tiffany and I, we were just kind of, taking it all in. And there was this question that I know was on our minds that, that just was so prevalent. And it was the question of, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna be a dad? Am I gonna, am I gonna do this right? Am I, gonna, am I gonna raise this child properly? Am I gonna hurt this child? Am I gonna wound this child? Like, how am I going to do that, do this? And what's funny is that we've had three more kids since then, and it's like this repeat. Every time we bring a baby home, that question is on the front of our minds. How in the world are we gonna do this? And I think about that question around this time of year because I wonder if that's the question that's been on your mind as you think about coming to campus or starting college for the very first time. You know, your story's probably a little bit different, right? You started packing up. Again, if you're a college student here, you start packing up and getting everything ready. You stalked your roommate online, but then you found out that you actually probably don't have a roommate. And so that got all switched up on you. And then 
you moved here and you said goodbye to your parents and maybe you cried tears of joy in that moment. Maybe you cried tears of sorrow. Um, I wonder, has it, has it hit you yet that everything in life is sort of starting over? That the reset button is being pressed, that everything is new? That the identity that you had, the person that you were in high school now probably doesn't apply. And it's a blank slate here at BGSU. And some of you are asking that question of how am I going to do this with a ton of excitement because you're thinking, I just, I'm looking forward to making a new identity, making new friends, getting a fresh start in life. And so that question of how you're going to do it is actually one that's exciting to you. And some of you, I think maybe are asking it with a ton of anxiety and fear. You don't know, right? Am I going to make friends here? Am I going to fit in? Will I enjoy this place? Most of us are probably somewhere in between, right? We feel a little bit of the excitement, but also a little bit of the anxiety and the fear. And I want to share with you guys a story today that I think connects perfectly uh, with the position that you find yourself in. It's a story from the Gospel of John. Uh, it's actually the story where we base our name as a church. So H2O Church is based around this passage from John chapter four. And so I'd like to read a section of John four to you now, and then connect that dot to why I think this is so important for your life right now and why our church bears the name of this passage. So in John chapter four, starting in verse five, it says this. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, being Jesus, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The big idea, what I want us all to kind of capture from this story is that Jesus passionately pursued this woman and he offered her a radically new life. He passionately pursued her and he offered her this radically new and different life. Did you notice there was this moment in that story where the woman basically said to Jesus, why are you talking to me? You should not be talking to me right now. And the reality is, is that in that day, most people would have said, yeah, Jesus, you should not be talking to this woman. And she even points it out. She says, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You shouldn't be talking to me. And she's right, because in that day, the culture said that if you're a Jewish person, the Samaritans were seen as second class. They were seen as actually something subhuman. 
not even remotely close to on the same plane as the Jewish people. They were looked down upon, they were despised, and they were hated. So she was a Samaritan. On top of that, she was a woman, and a Jewish religious leader like Jesus would have never, according to the norms of that day, never spoken to a woman in public. Women were seen as second class. And of course, that's flat out wrong, but that's the culture that Jesus lived in. So she's a Samaritan, she's a woman, and we did not read this part of the story, but we find out in the conversation between Jesus and this woman that she actually has a really checkered past. She's had five husbands, and the, woman that she, or the, the man that she's living with in that time is not her husband. Samaritan woman with a checkered past. Jesus should not have been talking to her. Jesus risked all sorts of rules. He broke all sorts of like religious and spiritual norms so that he could talk to this woman. He risked his own reputation. No doubt, as other people heard about this story, they would have looked down upon Jesus. And I know the question you may be wondering right now is like, okay, well, what does that story from a couple thousand years ago have to do with me right now? I think it has everything to do with where you're at right now, and here's why. Because Jesus will do the same thing for you. He will do the same thing in your life. He will passionately pursue you. He will over and over again offer to give you new life. He will offer to give you this living water. If he would plan his path on this one day to go through this one town, to speak to this one woman in this one moment, how much more will he do that for you and I? And we know this, that God is active in our lives, that if we will tune our ears to hear that he is speaking to us and he's drawing us to himself, that is what he does. You know, some of you, you're coming to college and maybe you're a committed Christian and you're excited that there's a church like this on campus. And, you know, I want you to know that God is going to pursue you here, that something's going to happen here where this faith that, you know, maybe was a little bit more attached to your family is now going to become your own. And that's a beautiful thing that, you know, when no one's looking over your shoulder, telling you what to do, that your faith would just blossom and would become your own. Some of you, you know, you did the church thing, but if you're honest, you're not really sure if it's going to be a part of your life in college. You could see it kind of going either way. I want you to know that God is going to pursue you here too, that, you know, there, this church is full of people that were in that boat and he just grabs a hold of our lives. He draws us into community. That's why you're going to hear us talk so much about small groups because it's in those contexts that I think we really start to grow in our faith and really, you know, see and understand that God is real and moving in our lives. And some of you, you're skeptics. You're not really sure how you got here, like how you're watching this video. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here. We want you to be a part of this church. You don't have to believe everything that we believe when you walk through these doors or when you join us uh, here virtually. We're not going to ask that of you. But I will say this boldly. I believe that God is going to pursue you and that his desire is to draw you into relationship. That's my story. I did not come to college looking to follow Jesus, but God did something pretty cool, pretty crazy and unexpected in my own life to draw me into relationship after my freshman year of college. So again, God is pursuing us, but he's, he's pursuing us for a reason. It's because he has something for us. And it's right here in the text. Did you notice it in 
verses 13 and 14, Jesus starts talking about this living water that will cause us to never thirst again. He says in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the water from the well, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus is essentially saying right here in this moment is that he is that living water. He is life that when we come into relationship with him and we give our lives to him, we submit our lives to his lordship and his authority that we will see that what he has for us is actually life. Did you know that? That what God wants for you is abundant, satisfying, rich, deep, soul, soul satisfying life. All that we seek in this life, right? The stuff that all of us are chasing after, no matter you know if you're in college or you're not in college, the, what we're all seeking, joy, purpose, mission, identity, love, belonging, all of that is ultimately found in God himself. It's found in Jesus who brings us into relationship with God. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling this woman in this moment. He's saying that I can give you a life that you never knew possible. I can satisfy you in a way that you didn't even know was possible. And I think it's funny, right? Because we tend to think about Christianity as like this kind of, you're signing up for a life of misery, that it's like lame and it's difficult. And like, all it is, is just like watching everybody else experience all the joy. And we're just kind of sitting back, you know, having to follow all the rules and being kind of depressed and mad about it. And what Jesus is saying here, what the scriptures attest over and over again, is that no, actually what seems like life in this world is actually slavery. And what God has for us is abundant life, full of joy and adventure. Blaise Pascal was a really lived a long time ago, mathematician turned philosopher. And he said that there's this God-shaped vacuum or this hole in the heart of every man and woman that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus. And the truth is guys, that we will spend our lives trying to fill that hole. We will go and chase after whatever it may be because we want to get that satisfied in us. We wanna feel alive. We wanna feel like our lives matter, that we want to belong. We wanna know that we can actually be loved unconditionally, even though down deep our lives are messed up. And there are people and there are places on this campus, in this city, out in this world that will promise you that they will give you life. But the reality is it's all counterfeit. That only Jesus gives us the life that we were made to live. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you that life. One of the things I love about this story is that this woman was just doing something really ordinary. It was the, the norm in that day for the women to go and get the water. It was their job. Now, normally they would have done it in the evening when it was cooler. She's doing it in the middle of the day because of this checkered past that she has. But she was doing something just that she would have done every other day of her life, going to get water. And I think about for you college students or those of you who are working, raising a family, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You're doing something ordinary. And I don't say that 
like, you know, in a negative way, but you're just doing ordinary things. But if you encounter Jesus in the ordinary, and that's always where he meets us, is in the day-to-day, in the ordinary. If, if we encounter him, something extraordinary can happen, even as we live these kind of day-to-day, going through the motions lives. And again, to speak specifically to you college students, I, I would just pose the question, are you really here just to get a degree? And I'm not trying to downplay your education. I think that should be really important. I think you should excel. The scriptures tell us that we should work as unto the Lord. And so I think you should work hard and care a lot about school. But are you really just here to get a sheet of paper at the end? I don't think so. The question I want to set before you is, what if more than anything else, you're here to encounter Jesus and to be radically transformed by him? What if you're here to encounter Jesus and to be changed by him. It's our dream, uh, the staff and the pastors of this church, it's our dream that four or five, or I hope not longer, years from now, when you walk across that stage and you get your diploma, you get your degree, that what you would say is, yeah, you know, I got the degree, I studied hard, I enjoyed my program, but you know what, more than anything else, this is the place that God became real to me. This is the place where I made friends and and built deep friendships around the gospel. This is where I learned to go on mission and live for the sake of other people and surrender my life and give to others. That, That this would be the season of your life where Jesus is king and that you would taste and see how good he is and taste of that abundant life that he wants to offer you. That's our prayer, that that would be your story. I want to ask you, will you join us in that journey? We need each other. We cannot do this alone, especially in these crazy times that we're living in. We need each other. And again, I want to make another plug. That's why we live in community and we do groups is because we have to get together in smaller settings to just talk about what's going on in our lives, to share the the burdens and the pains and the joys and to pursue God together. So will you do that with us? God is not far off. He is here. He's moving. He's active. He has changed the lives of literally thousands of college students on this campus and at a part of BGSU, and he's continuing to do that work. It's our prayer that you would have eyes to see him doing that, see him pursuing you and inviting you into a relationship with him. Would you bow your heads and pray with me now as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you pursue us. Thank you that you do not leave us in our sin. You don't leave us in our brokenness. God, that you came near, that you came to us in Jesus. You invite us into relationship and you tell us that what you have for us is life. You have joy, deep, deep life. And so as we stand at the beginning of this new school year, we, we just proclaim to you, we, we tell you in desperation that we need you and that we want to follow you. We want to live for you. And so God, grant us the faith, grant us the courage, the boldness to walk by faith. And as we do that, God, we just cannot wait to see what you're going to do in our midst. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.